Navigating Change with Shane and Mike across from me. Shane Bishop, my name is Mike Wooten. We're glad to have you on the show today. You know, recently Shane and I were at a summer concert together. It was outside. It was very, very hot. There was a band playing cover songs over the last 50 years. Great experience. Food trucks, kids playing in bounce houses. We loved it. It was a church event. So that meant me and our assistant worship director were doing a lot of work just on the ground, greeting people, talking about an upcoming event. We're working so very hard, and it was incredibly hot, about 95 degrees. And Shane, who is, of course, a very, very, very hard worker, have much respect for your work ethic. But that evening, you were sitting back having like a cold Pepsi or something while Ryan and I were running around working our tails off. And drinking cold beverages. We're watching you guys work, and it made me thirsty. Yeah, I think it made you happy to I see loved us it. out there It was good, messy up there, getting yeah, out a little bit. Yeah, I was bit. really sweating. It was kind of disgusting. I thought about changing shirts. Nah, it doesn't help. Yeah, but then everyone's going to know that I was so sweaty that I changed shirts. Right. So I decided, but here's what happened. I forgot to drink really fluids. Uh, it was 95 degrees. Yeah. Have I told you much? anything that happened? No, no. I got terrible muscle cramps. Oh, really? At the end of the night, they hit me so bad. They were all in my side. And I was trying to walk away from uh-huh. the crowd, and people kept stopping me, and I was in so much pain. But instead of me just calming down, saying, you know what, I'm having a muscle cramp. Uh, it's right. great to see you. Uh, uh, just give me a minute here. Instead, I tried to smile and talk with like three While or you four were in people. Pain. When I was in pain, I have no idea what I said to them. I have no idea what my face looked like. Right. I finally make it to like the edge of the uh the yard area by myself a woman comes running up to me thinking i was having a heart attack because i was holding oh, my yeah. chest she said she was about ready to give me cpr i told her it was just a muscle cramp yeah you know you said you had muscle cramps on your side yeah. i don't have a lot of muscles on my side you got it's, something else kind of going there i mean is there a lot of muscles yeah, in the rib cage lat? for you yeah, I'm not kidding. It's about I'm under not... your arm. Yeah. You sure did, weren't having a heart attack. What side was it on? <laughs> it was on the left side. All right, so all right. That's... I think it's 50-50, you're dead now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 50-50. We would yeah. have to get a nurse in here to verify things, yeah. but I, I'm just wondering. Yeah, it could be. I, I'm feeling all right. You did well. You, you did well. Thank you're you out for... there listening to, to really good music. They they really did a nice job. They it was did. fun just going to an outdoor concert. It had been a while since I'd been to a concert. Yeah, and the reason for that is because of COVID, really. Yeah, right? right? That's one reason. We haven't had many get-togethers at all, but we are really getting to the point where we are at post in a post-COVID world, Shane. So we want to talk about some of the things that you're seeing in a post-COVID world uh, especially in terms of churches. So what, what are some of those things that you are seeing now that we are getting beyond COVID-19? Well, I think one of the realities is that it's not that things have changed. It's that things won't stop changing. And even when COVID hit, we were already in, in just rapid change. I mean, the countries changed. Uh, and then we're, we're in the midst of that, and, and, and COVID hits. It's One description I had of leading in, in this period is there's always a new tornado coming, but the old tornadoes never leave the ground. They mm-hmm. just all stay there. So we're kind of having to deal with constant and, and pretty significant change all at once. So one of the questions I get asked a lot 
is what is going to happen to the church mm-hmm. on the other side of this pandemic? And the quick answer is nobody knows. Right. But I can tell you what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And there are trends that I'm seeing. And I'm not telling you this because I've read a bunch of blogs. I'm telling you this because I've talked to pastors all over the country and lots of them. There are some trends that are emerging post-COVID. One of the things that I was thinking about with this is that you know, we really have to have adaptive change in our churches. We have to be ready to adapt. Uh, and I find it really interesting you're saying that things are just continuing to change all the time. So we want to talk about your blog here. And let's talk about a couple things that you are seeing after talking with pastors and doing the research uh, that you've done. First of all, uh, most churches had an unexpectedly strong Easter weekend. And boy, did they need it. Pastors were discouraged. Churches were discouraged. People were not coming back to live church. And I think there was general pessimism across the American church. And most churches had better Easter weekends than they anticipated. And I think it was a shot in the arm. And I also think it showed that more people were kind of on that brink of coming back. I think a lot of pastors right now are are thinking, wow, I've got a lot of people that used to come before COVID and they've not returned. They're never coming back. And for some of them, that will be true. But I think Easter showed us more people were planning to come back than we thought. Yeah, a lot of people want to gather for in-person worship. And we saw that during the Easter weekend services here and around the country. Another thing that uh, you've noticed is that churches who that opened early they're really reaping rewards from that. One interesting parallel would be restaurants. Restaurants that opened early in this pandemic uh, generally got rewarded, particularly when other restaurants didn't open. And what I noticed at some of these restaurants that opened, uh, they had really, really big crowds because there was no competition. But even when things reopened elsewhere, they built a certain loyalty base because they had the the courage, if you will, to go ahead and open. What I'm seeing in churches, if you opened last June, July, or August, if you opened before everyone else opened, you are significantly more recovered than if you waited several more months. The later churches chose to open, the worse they're doing. Shane, it seems pretty obvious that churches should have opened earlier, but a lot of churches did not. In fact, there's several churches that uh, just have been opening over the last few months. What would be a reason why it took people's uh, churches so long to open? Why didn't they just open right away? Was this a difficult leadership decision? Well, at first, I think we first have to ask, why did churches close? And I think churches closed because of the uncertainty around the pandemic. Nobody really knew exactly what we were dealing with. And so I think it was prudent for churches to say, okay, we're going to tap the brakes and, and we're going to see. But once you stop, you know, once you get the plane on the ground again, you know, it was in the air, now you're on the ground. It's pretty tough to get that plane back up. And the question becomes, who are you asking? Churches that are in denominations, a lot of them had bishops that said stay closed. And so they would have been in trouble with their denominational superiors had they opened. A lot of other churches seem to look to the government, Mm -hmm. uh, the governor of their particular state. And if you had a governor that was uh, really reluctant to open anything, uh, churches probably didn't open either. 
So in a sense, Mike, I think for a lot of pastors, you were going to have to be civilly disobedient if you were going to open early. A lot of pastors growing in our culture uh, don't have a gear for that. They just don't have a gear for it. And so in our case, we just said we believe God has asked us to open. We believe God will protect us. And we are not looking to our governor or anybody else to tell us that. We're going to make the decision. And then, of course, we're going to have to live with it. And we were the context, one of the contexts that reaped the rewards of opening in that time frame that you talked about. Now, Shane, we're talking a lot about change. And whenever there's change, there is a lot of energy put in that. When you talk, talk about the beginning of COVID, a lot of churches had to go to online worship and all the change that happened with ministry, that started to wear a church staff out. Then you have to have coming back to normal opening up church services, but really they still weren't normal. You were doing this hybrid model of church in person and online. And now what are you seeing with church staffs post-COVID? They're tired. They're tired. And if you really look at it, a lot of senior church staff, a lot of technology people on church staffs really didn't get a vacation and haven't had one for about a year and a half. And so I think, Mike, that pastors like like you and me, we we had to lean into this. We we didn't say, oh, this is great. We're going to take uh, 12 months of vacation. We had to completely retool this church to go out online. I mean, it was an unbelievable amount of work. Our tech team, our filming team, yeah. our uh, sound people. We were here by ourselves yeah. when no one else was here. The mm-hmm. rest of the church was closed. No one else in the staff was here. We're putting in 60-hour weeks while a lot of people are, are, there's nothing for them to do. And so for some of the church staff, for some pastors, mm-hmm. uh, they're just really, really, really tired. And I think the thing to do right now is to be aware of that and to make sure you get some downtime this summer. Shane, I, when we reflect back on that. We were really, it felt like in emergency mode for eight weeks, 10 weeks, where it was at least at least where what I'm saying is we were scampered, man. We all the time. And you actually stopped us at one point and said, we have to find a rhythm mm-hmm. or we are going to burn out. And it's That's not right. that we didn't have to keep, we still worked hard. We still worked tons of hours, but we had to figure, you had to lead us and say, we have to figure out a rhythm. We won't be able to sustain this. Plus you had to get us ready for when we were actually going to reopen. That is correct. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't, if you don't develop a rhythm in tumultuous times, uh, you have an emergency a minute. You know, you have an emergency a minute. And so what we had to do was say, okay, this COVID storm is on us. It doesn't appear to be lifting. So what is our rhythm? And yeah. and it's not finding a sustainable rhythm because we're not going to have to do this the rest of our lives. Right. But we are going to have to do this for several months. And that became very, very important. And so finding a rhythm, I, I do think got us through the worst of it, doesn't mean you're still not tired. And as we reopened last year and through most of COVID, there were many mitigations. We have mitigations here. Other churches have mitigations. For the most part, it does seem like mitigations are starting to uh, wind down around the country. Would you agree with that, Shane? Yeah. Uh, I think for a lot of churches, things are pretty much back to the way they were. Mm -hmm. In other parts of the country, there's still a lot of rules and regulations up there. 
You know, some churches never required people to wear masks. They just asked people to. Some churches are still requiring people to wear masks. So it's all over the place a little bit, but I do think in the last couple of months, uh, churches are coming out of that. They're, they're returning to more normal. Shane, maybe for me, one of the more surprising aspects uh, generally with uh, COVID and coming out of post-COVID was the financial aspect uh, for churches. What have you found about how a church did financially through a very destabilizing time? I think the timing on this was actually fairly good. And, and this is what I'm telling you. Financial pundits tell us that when the baby boomers start to die and when they're gone, their children aren't going to give, volunteer, or attend a fraction of what they did. But you know what? COVID hit while a lot of the baby boomers were still alive. It also hit in a very good stock market. And I think baby boomers are old enough to know that what you don't support goes away. And so I think there was a wisdom with some of the older members in a lot of churches and some of the more enfranchised members in a lot of churches who did have the, the money and the resources. And they just said, you know what? We've never seen anything like this. But if we want this church to still be in existence yes. when this is all over, we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. And I think they intuitively did that. The other thing is the government surprised everybody by giving churches PPPs. And that is basically where the government paid churches not to lay off staff. And had they not done that here, we would have had to lay off staff. You can't pay uh, children's workers when there are no children on site for six months. Nobody can afford that. But the PPPs were a major game changer as well. So I think most churches came out of this better financially than they ever imagined. Now, I don't think they're taking in in offerings what they would have had there not been a pandemic. But when you're not meeting, you're also not spending nearly as much money. From a millennial boomer perspective, I do think the millennials of the church really do have to thank the boomers because they did see value in ministry and churches in their community, and they leaned in where millennials did not have the resources to do so. One of the things that we did too, Mike, and you were a big part of this, but while I saw a lot of churches during the pandemic saying to people who are in a lot of stress and strain, guys, don't forget about us, we did the opposite. We, did. we, we had a message out there that said, are you in financial peril because of the pandemic, we can help. Do you need groceries delivered to you? We can help. Do you need somebody to pick up your medicine? We can help. That's a very different message than I heard from yeah. a lot of other churches. And I think it's part of why we've emerged so strong. I do think there was some biblical idea behind the backing and your leadership with that is that we need to put God first and God's going to provide for us. We were hoping that the congregation would lead in, lean in and they did praise God, but we had to do what we were called to do, connect right. people with Jesus as we tried to just stay right. focused here. Yeah. And what can we give you, yeah. not what can you give us? This is a crisis. And I thought that was a pretty powerful message. You, uh, I thought you ran point on that well. You know, earlier we talked about the strong Easter weekends across the country at churches. Uh, Shane, are you seeing that people are still returning to churches? Has that kind of stopped and churches are where they are? Where is attendance right now? I think most churches are running uh, 60 to 65 percent of their pre-COVID attendance. If you're running 75 percent, I think you're doing really good. If you're running 100 percent, you're probably a very small church in an unaffected area where everybody's just come back. But I thought everybody that was coming back would be back by Easter, and I was wrong. I was just wrong. 
Uh, people continue to come back. In fact, I ran into somebody yesterday who said they were back for the first time since the pandemic hit, which would be a year and a half now. Yeah. And so I think people are still trickling back. But for the most part, Mike, yeah. I think most of the people who are coming back, I'm going to say 95% of the people who are coming back are already back. You know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we really had our pulse with Church Online. We're grateful for how God has given us a, a pretty, uh, uh, really a lot of people, a lot of different platforms that we've connected with. We know who is checking in with us. Correct. We have people who, who really check in with those people. There was a couple who uh, who returned a few weeks ago who told me that every week since the pandemic, they had been watching Church Online. They never checked in with us one time, though. Fascinating. And I thought, wow. So they've been with us the whole time. We've been greeting them. We've been doing, uh, you know, just really welcoming moments for, you know, as they are included in this community. And you just didn't know. I talked to another pastor recently who said that, uh, yeah, there's no one who does typing in the chat. Uh, There's groups of people who don't type in the chat, but sure enough, they are checking in, they are watching, they are worshiping with them every week online. I get my point is, is that you just don't know who's watching and you can't just depend on who actually types and says hello if you're on a platform that gives you that option. Most of our reach is actually even further than we think because there are people who are there. They're just not letting us know. You know, Shane... One of the interesting dynamics is that it's been a time for attendance-wise with churches that there's been a shifting uh, that we've heard around the country where people aren't just uh, staying at their own church during this pandemic. It seems like it's an opportunity for them to try another church. We've heard that. Is that something that you have uh, heard as well? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, if you think about this, Mike, I, I, I do consulting for churches, or I used to do some consulting for churches, and one of the things I'd always tell them is you don't have to be the best church in the country, you just need to be the best church in your town. And you know, that was true when it was live church, but when everybody had to go online, and every product is online and equally accessible by a computer, you begin to see there's vastly different quality yeah. between churches. And music, preaching, and everything else. And I think a lot of people said, oh my goodness, I had no idea that that this church that's 10 minutes from me was that good. The other thing is, I think the pandemic is, is going to be an accelerant. So anything that was happening probably just got five years of a giddy up. There are always people leaving churches and going to new churches. I think the pandemic, by shutting churches down, kind of accelerated that process. So if somebody was kind of looking for an excuse to stop going to their church and find another one, they got it. If somebody was not real happy at their church anyway, (laughs) they got the opportunity to go to another church. And the other thing they had the opportunity to do is the new first visit is an online visit. The new new first visit is watching a service online. So a lot of people in more uh, populated areas... They watched five or six worship services because nobody's really holding live services anyway. They made decisions. They went to that service and lo and behold, they decided they liked that church a whole lot better than theirs. So there is no doubt. I am going to project, I think, 25% of all active churchgoers before COVID either will not return, are going to return to their own church, but watch online a whole lot more or left that church entirely. 
I think there's been a massive shift. A massive shift in a very short amount of time. Again, That's right. another change. Well, you're talking about online audiences. They were strong across the country. Are they continuing to stay strong? No. I think everybody's online audiences are tailing off. I think what we saw is that when all of our churches closed, the online audience went massive. I mean, just massive. And then when we started back to worship, we kept more of that than we thought. But I do think we have leaked uh, from that and we continue to leak. So I, I don't know where those online numbers are going to stabilize. My guess is we're fairly close to it, but I don't know of anybody who's retaining that. Now, Mike, your wife, Valerie, heads up a lot of our online ministry. Those numbers are, are dwindling, aren't they? They are dwindling. Uh, they are stronger before uh, before COVID, but they are starting to go down. I would say we're about down 50% across the board. On from the height of COVID. From the, definitely from the height of COVID. Maybe even uh, if you talk about towards the end of last year, we're about 50%. Uh, down from that. We're, but here's the thing. Our online community is better. There are people who are online attendees. Uh, we are doing some incredible things with discipleship, with worship. So it, it it's better than before. However, it is not as strong uh, attendance-wise as it was. Yeah, I would say we're not as wide, but we're a whole lot deeper. We have a clear online community. There are people all over the country, even all yeah. over the world, who very much feel that we are their church, yeah. even though they may not ever visit here once live. A great example would be a couple weeks ago, uh, we've got a family in Honduras who are a part of Christ yeah. Church. She and a new baby were able to come to the States. He and the daughter were unable to come to the States. So we uh, presented that baby to the congregation and prayed blessing over that. She is here live. He is watching in Honduras, yeah. and we're making that work. That kind of hybrid thing I think is going to be the future. Yeah. But I do think uh, overall numbers are down mm -hmm. in terms of just how many people are watching. But I think we have more people plugged into the church and honestly feeling a part of community than we ever have. It's an incredible tool for community, for discipleship, for worship, just to stay connected church online. Now, we're in 2021, and of course, we're coming out of, uh, really, out of the pandemic for the most part in the United States. Does that mean that the culture, Shane, is steady right now? Do you think leading is going to be easier than ever in 2021? No, it's going to be more difficult than ever. Uh, here, here was my epiphany during the pandemic. We decided to open July of last year, right? So almost a, we're almost a year open now. Yeah. And I remember having this very distinctive feeling. If we open too soon, half the country is going to be upset. If we open too late, the other half of the country is going to be upset. And if we open on the perfect Sunday, everyone is going to be upset. So there's really no way to make people happy today. There, there just isn't. But most of them weren't happy before they met us anyway. But there's no way to make people happy. So you're just going to have to operate from your core values. And you're just going to have to do what you think's right. And in a sense, particularly those people out there that maybe are leaders but have a high need to be liked by people, uh, maybe more than ever, you're going to be free to do what you think's right and what God's calling you to do because there are no wins out there. You know, we're talking about culture, leading in culture. There's a lot out in the culture right now about unity across a lot of different viewpoints. 
Do you think churches are getting more diverse uh, theologically with unity, or do you think that there's a shift to maybe a more homogeneous uh, type of uh, setting in churches? Unfortunately, I think churches are getting more homogeneous now. And I, I think it was possible 10 years ago, because we did it, to be able to say to a church, uh, it doesn't matter who you vote for, and we don't expect everybody's going to vote for the same people. It doesn't matter what your politics is, and we expect we're going to disagree on substantive things. But what unites us here at this church is the mission of the church. I think the country has significantly shifted. I think so many Christians view theology through a political lens that that is almost impossible now. So as a result, I think most churches uh, either have mainly Democrats or mainly Republicans. Mm -hmm. They have uh, people who mainly look alike and, and think alike and all of those kind of things. I don't think it's good, Mike, mm -hmm. but I think it's happening. And I think that churches, unfortunately, are probably more homogeneous than they've been in the past 15 years. And churches that were really doing a good job of being, let's say, multiracial or transcending political divides and all those yeah. kind of things, I think all of them have lost a lot of ground. Yeah, that might be uh, churches who actually can get back to that may be really the kingdom churches, leading churches in the country, because it is going to be a steep climb to get back to that point. Shane, all this is happening in the culture, but let's face it, we are in the kingdom business about people coming to Christ and being transformed. Do you think the fields are kind of ripe for the harvest right now? I think this is the best evangelistic field the world has seen since the Apostle Paul was walking around the Mediterranean Sea. I believe that people are hurt, people are hurting. I believe that the popular culture that we have in America today is utterly unsustainable. I believe a lot of people are looking at what is accepted in every conceivable way and saying there's no way this is good. There's no way that this is going to be something we can build a solid future upon. And I think a lot of people are hurting. I think a lot of people are isolated. I think a lot of people are radiating at really high frequencies. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are, are just not in a good place. The question becomes, what is the message of the church to these people? And I think if the message of the church is that in Jesus Christ, you can find a life of peace and passion and power and purpose, I think that's going to be well received. The last thing on that, Mike, is Christianity now has to admit beyond a reasonable doubt that we are not the majority culture. We are Our values, traditional Christian values, are not the values of the majority mm -hmm. culture. And if you don't believe me, watch TV for two minutes. <laughs> so... Uh, that being said, we are now counter-cultural movement. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing is the sweet spot of Christianity has always been as a counter-cultural movement. We are in the best evangelistic place I think we have been in during my lifetime. Are we in the easiest place? Absolutely not. Shane, you sound pretty really optimistic about the future. Do you think that's the mindset that Christian leaders need right now? People, I, I think we can just say... Let's imagine we're David and Goliath's in front of us. And Goliath is the world around us. Goliath is the giant in front of us. We got a choice, Mike. We can either say the giant is too big to defeat or the giant is too big to miss. And <laughs> if we decide the giant is too big to defeat, he will be. 
if we decide he's too big to miss, we will be able to get a stone off out of our sling and it will make contact. So for me, if churches want to give up, throw up their hands, say we don't have a chance, whatever you believe is, is reality. But if we can lean mm-hmm. into this and say, okay, let's, let's take a look at what we have. We're not the majority culture. We're a countercultural movement. What is our message to the culture? And how are we going to offer hope in the name of Jesus? I think if you can retool your thinking to there, this is the most exciting time to be a Christian uh, that you could possibly imagine. I love that. May we adopt that mindset. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. If you'd like to read more about Shane's blog, go to RevShaneBishop.com. You can always go to my blog, RevMikeWooten.com, and check us out on social media. We hope God blesses you this week, and make sure, like always, to keep the change.